Hello, and welcome back to The Daily Poem, a podcast from Goldberry Studios. I'm Sean Johnson, and today is Thursday, June 29th, 2023. Today's poem is by American poet Thomas Lux, and it's called Refrigerator, 1957. I want to make a note here about some of the language in this poem. I know a number of our listeners like to listen as families or with children in the room. Uh, This is a practice that I applaud, and I hope you will continue it. To that end, I wanted to warn you that there is a word in this poem I would describe as a PG-13 word, unless you want to have some awkward conversations you weren't preparing for today. You may want to give the poem a pre-listen before you share it with everybody. That said, I assure you it's a great poem and it is worth the trouble. Our poet, Thomas Lux, was born 1946, died not too long ago. 2017. He published 14 collections of poetry over the course of his long career. He spent almost three decades as a member of the writing faculty of Sarah Lawrence College. And at the end of his career, he took up the chair of poetry at the Georgia Institute of Technology, Georgia Tech, where he ran a popular poetry reading program. I may not have to tell you that teaching poetry to a bunch of engineers is a much needed public service. If I do need to tell you, it's because you're probably an engineer. But anyway, moving on. I'm grateful to all of our engineer listeners, by the way. I love you. Never stop. Please forgive me. Lux began his career in the 70s writing what he called surrealist poetry and to be frank it was a little bizarre a little difficult it was very personal very raw very emotional very subjective Uh, there were some poetry types out there who liked it anyway though and i suppose it's a good thing because it gave him the springboard he needed to continue writing and publishing poetry. And as he worked and as he aged, he realized uh, that there was not a lot of value in the kind of poetry he was writing. And he abandoned a lot of his earlier forms uh, in favor of more, far more concrete poetry. And he adopted a kind of poetic philosophy for himself uh, that demanded his poetry be accessible. And he said uh, once that complexity shouldn't be confused for originality, uh, criticized the the sense that even he felt as a young poet that uh, to seem original, to write impressive poetry, you had to write complex, difficult, confusing poetry. And he took a turn towards uh, the everyday language of normal human beings uh, and set himself the task of describing familiar, relatable experiences that any reader could uh, enter into without sacrificing uh, the depth uh, and truth of a good poem, which takes you beyond uh, the particular and into the universal. 
as is the custom on the daily poem, I will read today's poem twice, once in a few short, in a few short seconds, then I will offer comments, then I will read it again. This is Refrigerator 1957. More like a vault, you pull the handle out and on the shelves, not a lot. And what there is, a boiled potato in a bag, a chicken carcass under foil, looking dispirited, drained, mugged. This is not a place to go in hope or hunger, but just to the right of the middle of the middle door shelf on fire, a lit from within red, heart red, sexual red, wet neon red, shining red in their liquid exotic, aloof, slumming in such company, a jar of maraschino cherries, three quarters full, fiery globes like strippers at a church social, maraschino cherries, maraschino, the only foreign word I knew. Not once did I see these cherries employed, not in a drink, nor on top of a glob of ice cream, or just pop one in your mouth, not once. The same jar there through an entire childhood of dull dinners, bald meat, pocked peas, and see above, boiled potatoes. Maybe they came over from the old country, family heirlooms, or were status symbols bought with a piece of the first paycheck from a sweatshop, which beat the pig farm in Bohemia, handed down from my grandparents to my parents to be someday mine, then my child's. They were beautiful. And if I never ate one, it was because I knew it might be missed, or because I knew it would not be replaced, and because you do not eat that which rips your heart with joy. What I love about this poem and about Lux's later poems in general is, as I described a minute ago, you can take a very specific, concrete, personal experience that only he has had and turn it into a door or a gateway to a universally relatable truth or experience that we can all enter into. I am not the second generation Bohemian American uh, who lived this life with this refrigerator and this jar of maraschino cherries. Uh, and yet, I feel like I am. I did grow up with a jar of maraschino cherries in the refrigerator, but uh, perhaps my family was not quite so hard up as Thomas Lux's family, because I also remember occasionally screwing up the courage to sneak in and uh, pop one or two of these cherries in my mouth. I think I even remember my mother permitting me to pop one or two maraschino cherries in my mouth uh, as some kind of treat. But the universal core of the, of the poem remains. Lux also uses this singular image, a very pedestrian, uh, very common object, a jar of cherries, uh, is able to use it to tell the story of a whole family history around the description of this jar of cherries. We find out where his parents come from. 
where what the life of his parents and grandparents was like, uh, even the kind of uh, reasons they had for coming to America and the hopes and aspirations they had for their children, their children's children. And the mixed life they lived when they got to America. He says early on that the refrigerator was not a place to go in hope or hunger. There wasn't much here to feed the spirit or feed the belly. A few dismal leftovers. But then uh, this exotic and alluring description of the cherries next to the uh, pale covered potatoes and chicken carcass. Uh, and he brings back the boiled potatoes later in the poem for comedic effect. But that laugh about the boiled potatoes comes right in the midst of a litany of sad details about the uh, the poverty of everyday life with the presence of luxury you know, feet away uh, and inaccessible, untouchable. The same jar there through an entire childhood of dull dinners, bald meat, pocked peas, and see above, boiled potatoes. You can't help but chuckle, but the chuckle is uh, stifled almost immediately uh, when you remember what it is that he's saying and describing. And then the story of coming over from the old country. And, uh, there's a lot of aspiration in his parents' generation or grandparents' generation traveling to the new world, to America, hoping for a better life. Uh, he imagines them arriving and immediately shelling out <laughs> a piece of their first paycheck from a sweatshop to buy a piece of a better life uh, in the form of a jar of cherries. And perhaps that jar of cherries then becomes this uh, metaphor or objective correlative, if you will, for uh, the rest of their experience of America, the richness that it holds out is all around, but you can't quite crack the lid and enjoy it. So you put it on the shelf and uh, you enshrine it in your heart as this sort of aspirational pleasure and happiness that you can't quite can't quite enter into uh, but that you can't quite uh, you don't quite feel like you've lost the chance at and he does a brilliant thing in showing this all to us through the mind of a child who can't always articulate the sadnesses as well as they can articulate the hopes and the joys. And so he reasons with himself in the end that perhaps he never ate one because he knew it might be missed or because he knew it would not be replaced. But 
the real reason uh, is a far less rational and tangible reason. You don't eat that which rips your heart with joy. Sibi said of a poem too, and maybe even a poem like this one. You encounter it and it looks good. You want to unscrew the lid, dig your fingers around, pull out the sweet fruit from the center and eat it. But the more you fish around and try and scoop out sweet, fiery globes, the less there is. Which might be a good encouragement and reminder to leave off commenting now on Refrigerator 1957. Because you do not eat that which rips your heart with joy. I'll read the poem one more time. More like a vault, you pull the handle out and on the shelves, not a lot. And what there is, a boiled potato in a bag, a chicken carcass under foil, looking dispirited, drained, mugged. This is not a place to go in hope or hunger, but just to the right of the middle of the middle door shelf, on fire, a lit from within red, heart red, sexual red, wet neon red, shining red in their liquid, exotic, aloof, slumming in such company, a jar of maraschino cherries. Three quarters full, fiery globes like strippers at a church social, maraschino cherries, maraschino the only foreign word I know. Not once did I see these cherries employed, not in a drink, nor on top of a glob of ice cream, or just pop one in your mouth, not once. The same jar there through an entire childhood of dull dinners, bald meat, pocked peas, and see above, boiled potatoes. Maybe they came over from the old country, family heirlooms, or were status symbols bought with a piece of the first paycheck from a sweatshop which beat the pig farm in bohemia handed down from my grandparents to my parents to be someday mine and my child's they were beautiful and if i never ate one it was because i knew it might be missed or because i knew it would not be replaced and because you do not eat that which rips your heart with joy This has been The Daily Poem. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back tomorrow with another poem for you. To listen to past episodes or to support this show, please visit dailypoempod.substack.com. On behalf of our whole team at Goldberry Studios, I'm Sean Johnson. Until next time, happy reading.